Heavenly Father, we talked about feasting on your delights. And Lord, we thank you that we can feast on your word this morning. Lord, we thank you that we can delight in your word. And we pray your blessing upon Rod as he expounds your word to us this morning. And we pray that you will give us receptive hearts and obedient minds that we will react and respond to what you are saying to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you, Paul, for choice of songs this morning, which I think actually fits in with a good deal of what I want to say, really. Um, now, Tom. Okay. When God delays, we are not uh, doing 1 Corinthians this morning, having a little break over the summer, and we'll pick that up again in September. So this morning is a one-off. And I'm, I want us to look at a very well-known story. Now, I, I believe Andrew said last week there was only a few verses uh, that he read. Uh, now we've got quite a lot this week. <laughs> 44, in fact. Uh, it's interesting that someone made the observation that in evangelical charismatic circles, there's often less Bible reading than in more formal churches where you have Old Testament, New Testament, perhaps even gospel and letter. Anyway, well-known story here. Now, a man named Lazarus was ill. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay ill, was the same one who poured out perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is ill. When he heard this, Jesus said, this illness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard Lazarus was ill, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the darkness will not stumble. For they, in the daytime, sorry, they will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he'd said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of his, the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. 
when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my, mother, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. After she'd said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. Teacher's here, she said. He's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. Then the Jews who'd been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who'd come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him? Some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odour, for he's been there four days. Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth round his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Well, it's been a little bit of a reminiscent morning, really. I never expected uh, what happened earlier on. Um, but I have been thinking, you do think back, don't you? And I've actually been thinking about the times that we moved house. Please pray for James and Jess. They put their house up for sale and uh, they're going to move house. They, we we trust they're going to move into Peckles and we trust that that's not going to take too long. But moving house is stressful. No, it's easy, isn't it? No, it's stressful. Well, I think it's stressful. Well, mm, when 
the battle belongs to the Lord was written, <laughs> we were moving house, <laughs> sort of, just before actually, and uh, we were in a church house in Wickford in Essex, and uh, we, we collected enough money together to put down a deposit on our own house, and from start to finish, the move took two months. That's all it took. It was easy. That's all it took, two months, from, from first going into the estate agents to actually uh, going through, in fact, slightly less than two months. But when we moved to Grays, a bit later, we sold our house in two days, and then six months before it all got sorted out. In fact, we wanted the whole process slowed down a bit so that the date coincided with what we were doing. But we actually sold our house within two days. Wonderful. And then when we moved from Grays to Raiden in Suffolk, well, it took us three months to sell the house and then four months after that to move. And again, we had to juggle with dates and, and uh, it was a bit difficult at the bottom of the chain and it was a bit difficult at the top of the chain. And so that was sort of seven months. But when we moved from Raiden to Beckles, it took us 18 months. Oh, we lost two houses on the way, as many of you know. And you think, why is it taking so long? Or to put it another way, why is God allowing it to take so long? Why, why is it happening like that? I'll tell you what, it was a most frustrating, difficult time. And you think, Why? I think that's how Mary and Martha felt about Jesus. They'd sent word to Jesus. Lazarus was sick. Their brother was ill, dangerously ill. They sent word to Jesus. And you can imagine saying, why is it taking so long for Jesus to come? What's going on here? Have you ever felt like that? You've been praying. There's something you desperately want to happen. There's someone you want to see healed. There's someone you want to see become a Christian. There's some situation that you want resolved. And you say, why, why, why is it taking so long for this prayer to be answered? Mind you, there are prayers that are answered almost before you pray them. You know, before you call, I will answer. And that happens. But you think, oh, God, why don't you hurry up? And I think that's probably a little bit of what Mary and Martha felt. Why did Jesus take so long to get to Lazarus? Well, there's a question. Where was Jesus when he got the message that Lazarus was sick? That's crucial, actually. Where was he? Well... The traditional answer has been that he was there, across the river from Bethany. I don't know if you can see Bethany there, on just sort of a bit down from the arrow. And the traditional answer was that that's where Jesus was. And you read commentaries, I've got a commentary, good commentary by Leon Morris, who says exactly this, that that's where Jesus was. So, Lazarus was sick. The messengers were sent. It was one day's journey from Bethany to where Jesus was. So Lazarus must have died as soon as the messengers left, right? 
They get to Jesus, he delays two days, then one day to get back, that makes four days, Jesus was in the tomb four days. That's the traditional answer. But actually, if you read John carefully, the last place that John says Jesus was in, well, is there. A place called Batania. Or northern Bethany. Now, that's where the confusion comes in. Now, interestingly, that's 150 kilometers. That's quite a journey, isn't it? And actually, they reckoned that was four days' journey. Ah, that's interesting, isn't it? So, what I believe happened was this. One, Lazarus becomes ill. Mm -hmm. Clear? Two, the sisters send for Jesus. Three, the messengers go to Jesus. That takes them four days. Four, they arrive, obviously. Five, Jesus stays where he is two days. Then Jesus knows that Lazarus has died. Did he get a word of knowledge? Did he just feel it in his spirit? He knows now that Lazarus has died. Jesus then goes to Bethany, which takes him four days. So, of course, when he arrives, Lazarus has been dead four days. Ten days, not four. And I said, that, then you can begin to see why Mary and Martha would be getting so anxious. Why is he taking so long? It's not just four days, it's ten. And our brother's ill and he's dying. Where is he? And they waited and they waited and they waited. And it's just like us. We can pray and we can wait and we can wait and we can wait. There are people that we've been praying for for years and years and years. And you say, come on, God, hurry up, please. Do something. Sort this out. Please, please, please. Ten days doesn't sound very long, does it? But actually, when you are living through ten days, it can seem an eternity, can't it? It can seem so long. You look back and you think that was not much time at all, but at the time, it seems ages. Right, why did Jesus delay? Why does God sometimes delay, or perhaps I might say often delay, in answering our prayers. One, what was the ultimate purpose in all of this? It was for God's glory. When our prayers are answered, it is for our benefit or the benefit of those that we're praying for or the situation that we're bringing to God. Yes, yes. Yes, but ultimately it's for the glory of God. So that, first of all, God can be praised. I bet there was real rejoicing when eventually Lazarus did come out of that tomb, rejoicing like they'd never seen before. So God will be praised. 
But it goes deeper than that. It is so that God will reveal himself more, his power, his character, his compassion. It's for God's glory that he is known more and in the context of the story that Jesus will become seen more clearly for who he is, that he will be glorified in it. And we see God's compassion for Mary, for Martha, for Lazarus. We see that that feeling that Jesus had. Jesus stood at the tomb and wept. Why? He knew what was going to happen. But he wept for his friends. He wept for Lazarus. He wept because of what death was doing in that situation. He felt for them. He wasn't just some sort of distant observer, but he was right in that situation with them. And they began to know more of who Jesus is. When you are praying, when you are waiting for things to sort themselves out, when there's a difficult situation, Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, Jesus is there with us. Understanding, knowing, feeling. Not just a bystander, not just some sort of casual supernatural help, but someone who is deeply, deeply involved in what we're involved in. Why? Because he loves us. He has compassion for us. He wants, he wants his mercy to be known by us. We will know more of God. The Father and the Son, and now with, of course, the help of the Holy Spirit. We will know more of God. Sometimes you only that is, know that as you look back. I talked about our first move. That was also the time we had an horrendous split in the church. It was awful. And it's the sort of situation where you say, where are you, God, in this? Why is this happening? But it's only with hindsight that you look back and you say, that was a terrible situation, but God was faithful. God held us. The Lord kept us. It was dreadful, but he was there in it. That's the ultimate reason, so that he will get the glory. But what was Jesus' motivation in this? You know, we read this story. The messengers come to him. Your friend is sick. And Jesus stays where he is for two more days. What was his motivation behind that? His motivation was his deep love for Mary, Martha and Lazarus. What? He stayed two more days 
and yet he loved them. Now, the original translation of the NIV can't cope with that, and it would say this. They'd, it says something like this. The messengers came to tell Jesus that Lazarus was dead, yet, and he puts the word yet in, yet he stayed there, much to say the translators can't cope with this. You know, <laughs> he'd heard the news, but he still stayed there. That's the early version of the NIV. You may still have that, and he's got the word yet there. The later versions of the NIV, which we read, has the word so. Jesus heard that, so he stayed. Well, that makes it a little bit more uh, purposeful, doesn't it? But actually, the translation is probably even harder than that. He heard the news, and because, because he loved them, he stayed. You see, if Jesus had gone straight away, Lazarus would not have been dead four days, but only two, because it was a four-day journey. Jesus stayed two days, then he realised Lazarus was dead, then he went four days' journey. But if he'd gone straight away, two days into his journey, Lazarus would have died, then two more days, he would have got there. Hmm. Why is that important? Well, if that had happened, it would only, it would have, the miracle would have been seen as a resuscitation. Some Jews, some, had this idea that when a person died, the person's spirit hovered over the body until it saw the body start to change. And then when the spirit, this is what some believe, and then when the spirit saw that, He left. It left. When did that happen? About four days. Before that, many would have said, ah, but the spirit's still with the body. That's a good miracle. This is only what some believe, but that is possible, quite likely, that that's what Mary and Martha believed. Oh, that's a good miracle, but it's resuscitation, but after four days, it would have been seen as resurrection. The impossible happening. Why is that important? Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus was going to die and rise again. not So, Lazarus resurrected in that way, not not fully in the way that Jesus was, because Jesus rose to a life that would never die. Lazarus was going to die again. But this was a greater miracle in the eyes of many people. So, his delay led to a greater miracle. By his delay... Martha, Mary, and those with him saw something more wonderful than Jesus if he'd rushed to it. Now, that may be a little hard for us to understand, but that's the principle. And I believe that sometimes God delays because he wants to do the greater thing for us. And he says, we say, God, do it now. And he says, no, 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 no. 
I want to do something better for you. That's why you've got to wait. I've got something greater in mind for you than what's in your mind. I want to do the bigger thing. And that is the reason why he sometimes delays. So that he can do the bigger thing, the greater thing, get more glory for himself. Oh, and that's... I said, Lord, please hurry up. And he says, no, 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 hang on. I'm going to do something even better than what you want. So, that leads quite naturally onto this. Jesus had a different understanding of the situation to everyone else. What do I mean by that? Well, everyone knew Lazarus was dead. That's it dead. Very stark, very harsh, but that's the situation. What did Jesus say? That he was asleep. Jesus' understanding of that situation was different. Mary, Martha, those mourning with him, those who'd placed the body in the tomb, they knew Lazarus had passed away. He was dead. The body was decaying. That was the reality, if you like. That was the scientific understanding of that situation. You know, these are the facts. That's the way it is. And Jesus comes along and says, but I've got a different view. He's only asleep. <laughs> well, if he's asleep, said his disciples, then he'll wake up. No, Jesus knew the reality, but his understanding of what could happen in that reality was different. He's asleep. Lord, the situation is this, we might say. This has happened. I've got this problem. These are the facts. That's the reality. Please do something. And Jesus sort of comes along and says, Ah, but my understanding is different. You want to see your family member become a Christian. Yeah, that's good. That's the reality. But I have something else in mind. It includes that, but something more. My understanding is different. You want to have this issue sorted out. I want to know which job I'm going to do. I want to know whether I should be fulfilling this ministry or not. I want to know which direction my life should be going in. Should it be this or this? And Jesus doesn't seem to tell you because he says, I see things differently. I've not just got you in mind. I've got other people in mind. We can get to the old chestnut, can't we? Lord, I'm going on holiday. Please let it be dry. I don't want rain. Meanwhile, farmer, farmer down the road is saying, Lord, we haven't had rain. Please let it rain. 
So you've got one person praying that it doesn't rain and one person praying that it does rain. Well, and God says, but my situ- I've got the whole in mind. My understanding's different. This is where we have to trust, folks. This is where we have to trust. And say, God, we believe, we trust, we know from past experience and from what your word says, we trust you, we trust that you know what you are doing. I might not understand it, but I trust that you know what you're doing. You feel like that? What on earth is God doing here? Why is my prayer not being answered? Why does God seem to be doing one thing and I want him to do something else? And God says, trust me. Jesus says, trust me. In this situation, trust me. As a church, why haven't we got more young people? God says, trust me. Why has finding someone to come and work full time taken so long? God says, trust me. I know what I'm doing. And he's perfectly able to overrule human mistakes. God says, trust me. For goodness sake, don't just trust men, women. Trust me. Because my understanding is different. I've got a bigger picture. All you can see is New Life Christian Fellowship. I've got a bigger picture to deal with. I've got Beckles to deal with. I've got the Wavy Valley to deal with. I've got Suffolk and Norfolk to deal with. I've got the UK to deal with. In fact, I've got the whole world to deal with. I've got the worldwide church to deal with. Trust me. Now, there's another side to that story, I know. But trust me. And when you're feeling uptight about it, trust me. In your personal situation, and it's getting you wound up, trust me. Because my understanding's different. You see, I think there was a bit of intentional discipling going on here as well. And when God delays, I believe that's often his method of discipling us. You see, if Jesus goes back to Jerusalem, these verses are a little difficult, but essentially this is it. It's the end of his ministry and he's going to die. And Thomas, who gets a bad press and really shouldn't, but Thomas says, right, okay, if he's going back, let's go with him, That we're going to die with him. Now, I don't know how much he understood or even if he understood what he was saying, but at least he was committed 
And it's as if Jesus was discipling his disciples. You see, he's determined to, to obey his father. He said, I do what my father does. I say what my father says. I go where my father's going. And Jesus, obviously, after those two days, saw, if you like, his father going to Jerusalem. And he was free to go. So he went. And what's he going to do? He knows it's going to end in the cross. But actually we know also that he could see beyond that to the resurrection and his glorification. But he knows it's his going to the cross. And it's as if he's giving a practical lesson, a practical demonstration and I don't want this to sound trite, but words seem to make it sound trite, but it's as if he's giving them a a practical demonstration of what being a disciple really is. It is following him, it is taking up your cross and being prepared to die for him. So he goes. You see... For us, discipleship really is cross-shaped. How easily we sing all for Jesus. But actually discipleship is taking up our cross. Saying, I'm going to follow you, Jesus whatever and when God delays he could easily be saying to us this is what I want you to do to follow me you don't know all the answers you don't know where it's all going you can't tick all the boxes but follow me and it could be costly And it could involve death to self. But follow me. That's why I'm not answering in the way you want, because I want you to learn what it is to really follow me. And of course they went. And very soon there was the cross. But of course there was resurrection as well. That's what discipleship is. It's taking up the cross. And I don't find it easy and I don't think you do either. Because we're pretty comfortable as Christians. We're pretty comfortable. Final point. Jesus was leading them though to complete victory. And this, we could probably get more out of this passage than even we said today, but de- Jesus demonstrates his power over the grave. That's in fact, what happens. Jesus gives two fantastic commands at this point. And this could involve a whole new preach, which I'm not going to do. But he, first of all, he says, Lazarus, come out. Of course, there's the chestnut. If he didn't use the, the name then, or they would have all come out. Actually, I don't believe that. Jesus was very intentional in what he was doing. And he knew that 
he could bring life to death at that point. So this fantastic, amazing command, Lazarus, come out, start a new life with me. And then he said to the people, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Set him free. And that's a parable of exactly what Jesus does. He gives us new life and he sets us free. He takes off the grave clothes and we can walk in him who is the resurrection and the life. And whatever God is or is not doing in your situation, in our situation as church, I believe he wants us to know this, that he, Jesus, is resurrection and life. Full life. Abundant life. Life that starts now and carries on through eternity. 10,000 reasons, 10,000 years and forevermore. Life. When your enemy comes in like a flood, the battle belongs to the Lord. And he has the ultimate victory. He has. He's got the ultimate victory in your life. And he says, people, follow me. Take up your cross. Follow me. Through that to resurrection and fullness of life. Why does God delay? A million reasons. But that's just a few principles. And there are more. So if you've got something on your heart and mind right now that God that you want God to do and he isn't doing it, let's just wait before him and let's ask him now that we will know him, that we will follow him and that if it pleases him in his love and grace and compassion, he will answer. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Because I know there are folks here who've got situations on their hearts, situations in their lives that, is, that they're not giving. They're not giving way. Lord, we just wait before you now. And I pray, Lord, that those who've got difficult situations, those who've got problems, those who are praying for sick friends and relatives, those who uh, have got issues that they want to see resolved, those who are not knowing what it is is your will and purpose for their life, Lord, and, and you seem to be delaying. Lord, we lay those issues before you now. And Lord, we ask in your mercy, will you come and help us? Help us to trust you. Help us to follow you. Help us to be obedient to what you call us to do. And Lord, please, in your mercy, come into those situations and work so that you will get all the honour and praise and glory. And Lord, specifically, where we're praying for those who are sick, please be healer. Where we're praying for guidance, 
please be the guide. Where we're praying for answers to problems, please provide the answer in yourself. Where we don't know what to do, help us to know your mind. Where things have been going on for so long, we're getting bored and weary. Come and renew us and refresh us. Lord, just come and help us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord bless you. Whatever you're doing this week, may you know his presence in a, in a deeper way, the reality of who he is.